Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I'm going to entitle this message, America at the Crossroads. I'll divide it into two parts, major parts, Talk about the context of where we are, both prophetically, domestically here in the United States, and what I hear the Lord saying to um, Opelousa in this area as well as geopolitically, where we are, what we're facing. Then I'm going to answer the question in light of the present day. In light of what we've been born into, how should we conduct ourselves? And in that last section, I'll divide that into four very simple parts. America at the crossroads, birth pains... Or death pangs. How many of you know our world's at an interesting point right now? I mean, we, from COVID on, it's been some very interesting years, none of which caught God by surprise, I might add. The world and our country's reached an inflection point. We've reached a point where it's not business as usual anymore. And quite honestly, the long-term future of America will be determined. Don't fool yourself into thinking it's determined by politicians. Because in the end, the real power to change anything comes from the church. I don't mean by that we don't vote. You say, do you vote? Yes. What do you think about politics? I'm very, very partisan about Jesus. Um, when it comes to the Democrats, the Republicans, there are times I feel orphaned from both parties. Hosea 13, 13 says, the pangs of childbirth come for him. But he was an unwise child. It says son here, could be daughter. For at the right time, at the right time in history, because of all these pains and pangs of childbirth he doesn't present himself he's just so overcome by all the shaking that in reality is not death pangs but birth pangs that at just the moment when God wants to use him he won't present himself at the opening of the womb where are we what has happened in the world over the last few years that's been rocked by the worst pandemic since the Spanish flu? A world rocked by another war in Europe, a conflagration in the Middle East, worldwide recession. Where are we? I have to go back to December 31st, 2018, just for a second. I, I serve on the board. I'm an elder of a multi-ethnic, multi-site church in Nashville. 
I've been, a, I've been an elder there for 30 years. And I've probably lived there at one time or the other for about 16 of those years. Um, we are, we're multi-ethnic. My side is predominantly African-American. Our pastor and his wife are African-American. Have you ever heard of like BBCC Winans, that Winans family? She's the youngest member, Debbie, my pastor's wife. Can she sing, pastor? Not bad. I mean, she opened for, um, oh my gosh, Whitney Houston when she was 16, all over the world. Yes, and so I'm, I grew up in a great musical church. My, the side I attend is predominantly African-American, tremendous, and I'm the happy New Year speaker every year, as will be this year. Of course, after 2018, they, they wanted to wait a year or two before having me back. That became the unhappy New Year's Eve service. Okay. I was sitting on the front row like Pastor Eugene and Heidi. It was five minutes before I spoke. My message was soon to be dropped from my hand. And as Eugene basically alluded, I'm a bit prophetic. And so the Lord will speak to me, of course, from his word. That's our final authority to judge things. But the Holy Spirit whispers to me. Sometimes I see things. And the next thing I knew, I saw America being wrecked. I saw in New York so many deaths break out, I couldn't comprehend it. Of course, it was hardest hit by COVID and just crushed. I saw panic spread over our nation. And people began to cry out for the government to intervene to help them. The West Coast stood upright and people began to leave the West Coast. Um, I saw a wave of pain sweep our nation. I saw in New York and then I saw like the West Coast. I go, my goodness, I've got kids in both those places, three grandkids in the West Coast, one now in New York. I thought, I mean, I didn't know what to say. And I kept hearing this thing, 17 months, 17 months, the whole country seemed to be sliding in the destruction and God caught it. And then I heard, we have with us our beloved elder to wish us happy new years, Pastor Jim LaFoon. I go, you're right, happy new years. So anyway, I got up and began to speak prophetically of what was going to come on our nation. And I spoke of a 34-month period of time. And I said within 17 months, we'd come to a time of deep ethnic pain. Understand, I'm in a multi-ethnic church and um, in the South. Um, and it's, it's a sign and a wonder when God brings ethnicities together. You see it here. You live it here. It's all I've ever known. And... And I told him this, in 17 months, we're going to come to another time of when God comes to touch the ethnic pain of America. It'll be a time that's deeply polarized. And of course, 17 months from then, Mr. Floyd was killed in Minneapolis. And I said, but you're not to be afraid. America's going to grow very polarized. But America will not end in anarchy. America will end in revival. And, and I tell you, that's true. Our church was my, the biggest marches in the city were ours, African-Americans, white Americans together. Our Detroit-bred African-American pastor, Detroit has a certain type of man that comes out of there. Marching next to him was our white red state governor's wife. Is God saved our city from turmoil, healed our city, and touched it. Thank God for the leadership of my local church. But I want to say, beloved, 
that I was deeply concerned because God had spoken something to me that after 17 months, we'd be halfway done with something else, which was going to take us into mm, October of 2021. I, I didn't know what it could be. I went into the mountains of, um, really the foothills of the mountains of Tennessee to pray in May 18th of, of 2019. And God said, your country's going to become dangerous. A terrible thing is coming to the world, your country. I couldn't figure out what it was. I woke up the next morning on the 19th and God said, here's what it was. I saw the nation of China. I saw a mindless, merciless river of death flow out of China and kill people all over the world. He said, to every nation, it will go bringing death and woe. That would prove to be COVID. But as we walked through all that, I knew that what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good, and that God was going to bring world revival out of this time of pain. Interestingly, we came into October of 2021, 34 months after that word, roughly by the end, we were going from pandemic to endemic. That's when God first whispered to me of the Ukraine war, what would happen, Russia would invade, not to be afraid. Now, I'm going to fast forward now to two years ago. Today is December 3rd. Two years ago, it was the first Sunday of December. Um, it was December 3rd, no, 5th then. And the Lord, what's the right word, visited me in the green room with one of those powerful biscuits from Mama's. That may be it. I may need to start eating those more often. But anyway, a lot of times I'll see what the Bible calls visions. You say, that's weird. Well, I'm sorry for that. Um, on the screen of my imagination, I saw the foot of God come down from heaven. Eugene and Heidi, I shared all this with them. I may have shared it with the church that day. I can't remember. It was in between the two services. And I said, Lord, what happens? And I saw the foot of God hit an accelerator. And it's like the church was in this craft. And he goes, I'm coming to accelerate the church in America really the world as well, for 36 months. My spirit's going to accelerate it through some very, very turbulent times. Don't be afraid. Watch what I do. Now, catch this. The beginning of that 36th month will be the very day of the next presidential election, which has proven to be turbulent of late. And as we came through that 36 months, to use a space analogy, it's like the church in America broke out of the gravitational pull of the world. We hit the satellite belt, and all I can tell you is a glory of God streamed out and shook the world. So as we come into next year, it's going to be turbulent, but God, there will be an increasing presence that will flood your servants' services with just a pregnancy of expectation. It'll never be easier for people to be saved. As we go through the turbulence of this election, we come into 2025, there will be an increasing move of God's spirit right here, right now. I'd say two or three other things that I want to talk to domestically a minute. In August 24th, 2022, I was in prayer. I was in Birmingham, Alabama. I was laying down, burdened. When are you going to visit? Revival is a word we use for outpourings of the spirit. When's a revival going to come? In a vision, I saw the UK. No one knew the queen was sick. 
Um, the flag was at half-mast. I thought, what has died? Who has died? People weeping, sobbing all over the UK. Jesus steps out, grabs the lanyard on the flag-mast, jerks it. Union Jack screams at the top. Lightning flashes. I've not forgotten my promises. My glory is going to come. Jim, I want you to understand. I'm getting ready to open the historic wells of revival all around the world. Wait and see. The next week, he said, when the Queen of England dies, that's your sign that revival's coming. And, of course, she died some days after that, a week or so after that. And I'm here to tell you, God's on the move. January 1 of this year, I woke up. Um, I'd had sinus surgery. I was sleeping in a recliner. Woke up, went out to my prayer office, 1.45 in the morning. He said, sabers are going to rattle this year. The world is going to be scared of war. Many are going to wonder if this is the end. Is this nuclear holocaust? It's not. I'll save the world. With the enemies meant for evil, I've meant for good. I'm preparing the world for revival. Don't be afraid. By February 3rd, I was praying. I saw these thunderheads of revival come to America. Of course, the next week, February 8th, it hit a little place called Asbury. My larger family, we have a church there. Many of our people, professors there and all. You know the story. Two stoplights, little town, small college, small seminary. In two weeks, thousands and thousands of people from around the world came. Two and a half mile lines of cars, eight hours to get into the little sanctuary. Some students brought their beds to sleep there. Why? The glory came. God flooded that place. Students from 150 universities came. People from 50 countries came. Why? God came. On TikTok, this is the first time revivals met social media, there were 100 million hits on hashtag revival. Where are we? God is going to visit the world. Don't be afraid. Domestically here in Appaloosa, as I spoke earlier, your growth is going to continue. More businesses. He is going to bless Appaloosa. Appaloosa, pardon me. This church is going to grow and grow and grow. In fact, five more campuses will be planted from the church. Villeplat is the first of five that will be planted. There's another two I can already see in the birth canal. Your city is going to be blessed uniquely. More businesses, more homes, more people. There'll even be a revitalization of part of your downtown area. God is crowning Opelousa in this hour. I can never forget being years ago here with Eugene and Heidi, who are like family to me. I love them, their family. And I said, Eugene, remember I said, I see an office park here. And God's going to give you land and businesses are going to come. And God is going to use our church to begin the process of restoring this extraordinary city to a glory they thought would never come again. You watch what happens in Villeplatte. Every city we touch will be revitalized. Because we're not just here to plant churches. We're here to restore that which has fallen down. We're here to restore jobs, to restore cities, to restore lives. Geopolitically, the world, we look in the Middle East, we look in the Ukraine war, look at all those things. God's got that. Don't be afraid. But what about you? How should you and I conduct ourselves? In light of where we find ourselves in a crazy world.
When I look at your life, maybe you're 20, 18, 30. You come to a pretty interesting time in American history. Your life is bookended by one of the longest wars in American history, 20 years. You live through the worst pandemic since the Spanish flu. You live through the worst economic downturn, the Great Recession since the Great Depression. Why would God allow you to go through all that? Because I believe the young generation in this room will become America's next greatest generation. And God will use you to rise up at such a time as this. I know what it is to be born in revival. I'm part of the 60s generation of America. You say, how can this be? You look barely 30. I appreciate that. You're only off by 39 years. This is what eating right will get you. Okay, now, so much for that. Listen to me. I grew up in a very progressive um, war protest, all of it, California. Um, many things you see in high schools today tr that troubled you, we had them long before then. There were 3,000 of us in of our school. They split it in half. And Jesus decided to come to my school. It's charismatic renewal, Jesus revolution. In the middle of the summer of love in San Francisco, a bunch of my peers were radically saved. Some went north, some went south. You ever seen the movie Jesus Revolution? Maybe some of you have seen it. That was, that was my generation. That was, an, that, was that was 90 miles from my house. It worked its way down to my high school in, in 1971. Jesus came to my high school. No one was preaching but him. Our lunches outside felt like the worship service today. Kids just began to get saved. Being saved was the cool thing to do. Hundreds of us would worship at lunch, crying, singing a cappella. The cloud of God's presence is coming here. It's going to fill this room. It's never going to be so easy to see people saved. How then should you respond? It's time to seek. God, it's time to seed the clouds of revival. It's time to sow, and it's time to serve. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. In moments like the one we are coming in, God makes his presence known in unusual ways, and even though he's omnipresent, his nearness is felt unusually. This is a moment when it's never been easier to seek God and find him in your lifetime. It's a moment where it's never easier, and may I tell you, it's time for you to commune with God and to confront that which is crippling our society in prayer. Jesus stood in John 7, 37 through 39 on the last and great day of the feast of tabernacles, the feast of ingathering. By then there was an eighth day, not just a seventh day. He stood up and cried out. And may I tell you, his cry still echoes 
in the world today. If you're thirsty, if life has not satisfied you, some of you are just beginning your financial journey, some of you may be stuck, some of you may be, may be affluent, but if you're thirsty, because the right man, the right woman will never satisfy what God can satisfy in you. Amount of money will never change it. In fact, people that are very affluent, I've been with billionaires, they could be some of the most affluent people in the world, and they've learned, I used to think when I got my dream I'd be happy, but I'm not. The only thing worse than not getting your dream is getting it and finding out that it can never do what you hoped. He said, if you're thirsty, don't just come to church. Don't just come out two or three, two or three services a week or a year, or a month, and think you'll be satisfied, you won't. Come to me personally every day and drink. The word drink comes out of John 4, where he told the woman to, well, if you'll drink, you'll never be thirsty again. She said, why? Because if you drink, speaking of the spiritual disciplines, pray, come, seek, listen, etc., I'll open a well in you, and the Holy Spirit will reconnect you to the Godhead, and life, and peace, and joy, and power will flow into you 24-7. And if you'll just drink, if you'll just commune Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'll reflood you on Sunday, but it's every day. And if you drink and believe what the scripture says, out of your inner woman, out of your inner man, will flow rivers of the gifts and rivers of the service, and you will live in the overflow instead of the undertow. You say, man, there's an undertow of the world pulling on me. If your overflow is not greater than your undertow, you'll live in tension. I appreciate this is a great church. Oh, let's be honest. Who wouldn't want to go to church here? I mean, you've got Heidi and Eugene, two of the finest people I know. It's true. Heidi is very beautiful. Eugene called himself handsome. We'll just leave that to your discretion. <laughs> I'm teasing. But the fact of it is, who wouldn't want to be in church here? How many churches do you go to that resemble your community? There's love here. There's God here. But this isn't enough. They don't exist to fill you. They exist to help you stay filled. That's why we're here. Many people leave great churches because they expect that church can do what only God can do for them. They end up trying to abide in the branches, not the vine. It won't work in the end. But I want to tell you, when you begin to learn to commune, God will give you the power to confront what's crippling your city, what's crippling our society. According to Hebrews 4.14, Hebrews 4.14 through 16, because of Jesus, we've been given an all-access pass. Remember these access pass? Pay this, you'll get all access on your TV, access to all of this. Jesus paid so you could have 24-7 access to the greatest power. I'll never see the president. So what if you've ever seen God, heads of state aren't that impressive anyway. I've seen them. 
You ever wonder what Jesus is doing with all of this time? You're like, what's he doing up there? He's been up there a couple thousand more years now, and he's kind of already died. He's just sitting around at the marriage feast all the time. Like, what's he do? Angels are singing to him and this and that, and there's you. What's he do with his time? Well, it's pretty clear from Hebrews 7.25. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Why? He's always praying for him. Listen to this carefully. Always interceding. Jesus said, if I'm going to see the fullness of my death realized in the people that come to me, I've got to pray for them. Because Jesus realizes connecting with the Father on behalf of someone else brings a power that can basically cross thousands of miles, that can break any barrier. And here's the amazing thing. He invites you into this privilege with him. Ezekiel 22.30 said, I'm looking around in Opelousas. I'm looking around in Vilplat. I'm looking for some man or some woman that through a prayer, through prayer, will rebuild the walls that have fallen down. Will build the walls around a child that's rebelled against me. I'm looking to find a man or a woman who will stand in front of me for the gap in their city, the gap between God and man, the gap between God and their spouse, the gap between God and their child, the gap between God and their country. I looked and looked because I didn't want it destroyed. I couldn't find anybody. I said, I looked around the earth, Ezekiel, and the whole nation was falling down but they were in so much pain and so busy. I said, will you help me? You're the only ones that can keep your city from being destroyed. The best good government can do, the best it can do is reward righteousness and punish evil. The best it can do is restrain the darkness. Only we can cut to the core. Education's powerful. But in the end, God himself can bring more transformation than even the finest education. Why? I've met highly educated devils. And I appreciate a great education where every child get one. But I know we have the power for spiritual education and transformation. May I tell you, you are not helpless. You are not hopeless. There's a power in your prayers through your access with God. I've stood before the deaths of the high and mighty. I've been in the offices of dictators. I've sat with imams on the Syrian border. I've watched celebrities fall to their feet weeping. I've had key leaders in nations share. That's nothing compared to the access my Jesus has given me. It's clear in Scripture there's great power in prayer. In Acts 16, 25 and 26, Saul, Paul and Silas, Paul was a Roman citizen, he lost it. They'd, they'd beaten him without a trial, which could bring them in real trouble. 
that tossed him in a dungeon in stocks with no trial and whipped him. He wasn't calling for a lawyer. He was calling on God. At the midnight hour, the night where the new day is there, but it's too dark to see it, and everything is turned against you, you don't even realize you got your greatest audience. All the other prisoners are listening. They begin to intercede. They begin to pray. An earthquake shook. The doors opened, and jailhouse revival began. John had been killed. The church was heartbroken. And now Peter, the head of the apostolic team, was in prison to be killed the next morning. There was no natural hope. He was guarded by scores of soldiers. The church gave themselves to unceasing prayer, hardly even believing, we find out later. In the middle of the night, the angel of heaven walked through the wall that no human could walk through opened the doors that no human could unlock. The guards left unconscious. His chains fell off. He was free. Let's ramp that up. The power of prayer. My wife and I raised a number of children, fostered many. We were in Christian school, public school, home school. We've done it all. My wife's a brilliant educator. I schooled a lot of kids. One of them had grown up, one of my best friend's sons. He was a young lieutenant on the way to a dangerous fire base in Afghanistan. I'd known him since he was a baby. Back in our homeschooling days, I'd homeschooled him. He said, Uncle Jim, I'm going to Afghanistan. I'm a second lieutenant. I'm going to lead a bunch of men in a dangerous fire base. Will you pray for me? I said, yes, I will. I've been praying for you since your birth. I was in my daytime prayer time. It would have been nighttime in Afghanistan. And I was praying for my son in the Lord. His name kept coming to me. By the way, when God keeps bringing a name to you, you should probably pray for him. And I closed my eyes, and in a vision on the screen of my mind, I saw my son in the Lord. It was pitch black, walking through the Afghan mountains, leading a patrol. And I saw him begin to step. And I looked down and I saw the detonator of an improvised explosive device. I said, Jesus, no. Jesus, shove him, stop him. I saw him driven back. Came back home months later, he said. You were praying for me, weren't you? I said, I sure was, son. He said, one night, I was going through a patrol at night. And I looked down just in time to see the detonator of an improvised explosive device. Something stopped me. I said, I know. I was praying then. That was thousands of miles away. From communion becomes the power to confront impossibility. We have four biological children, fostered many, adopted, kept, etc., all of it. My third son was the first person from his private school to get a football scholarship. I was in tears. Are those tears of pride? I said, no, those are tears of joy for a scholarship. 
228 pounds, great young athlete. Some great athletes in the family. But he ended up on the mission field in the West Bank with his brother. Contracted a terrifying parasite. He played football at 208 pounds. Now he was 107 pounds dying in my arms. Skin peeling off his body. My tears, no pain like child pain, beloved. My tears splashing as I held his crippled bony body. <sighs> he partially recovered and walked away from the faith out of resentment for not being healed in pain. He went deep down the rabbit hole. God whispered to me. He told me it was going to happen. He said, at 30, he'll come home, never lose hope. Six years went by. I was in Africa. God had told me to buy an ESV Bible. It surprised me. I'd been reading NIV for years. My text lit up on his birthday. Dad, buy me an ESV Bible. 30 years old. At 30, the Holy Spirit had fallen on him. No human agency pinned him to the floor and transformed his life. Now he's working. He's a high mountain ultra marathoner. You're not hopeless. You're not helpless. No matter what pain you're facing, I should be dead. My wife should be dead. I could just tell you more stories of God's he I lay dying. God healed me. My wife had a, had, you know, a, they're treating her for cancer, over-treated her, had seizures, didn't recognize us. They told me there was cancer in her brain, all of it. Then she had grand mal seizures, healed supernaturally, driving. And how? Because prayer is real. You're not hopeless. You're not helpless. You've got more power. And I appreciate, I still appreciate, you know, all the, you know, the great politicians God gives us. I don't like a lot of them, but I appreciate them, and God says to pray for them. But you have more power than they do. From communion comes confrontation. It's time to sow. Let me tell you, let me give you two reasons you should sow your finances. You say, well, what about you? Yes, my dad worked three jobs to support us. We never had money. He was paid $700 a month as a pastor in a gang area. So we fixed cars and worked shift work to support us. But they were givers. They gave everything they had. There was an old Roman centurion in Acts 10, 1 through 5, to the Jews, he had been part of the oppressor, but he was a God seeker. The Bible says he gave all the time and prayed all the time. Centurions were the backbone of the Roman army. Higher percentage of them were killed than any other person in the Roman army. And one day, angel showed up. He goes, okay, we can't resist it any longer. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, I'm a Gentile Roman, yep. But your giving and your prayers have created an eternal legacy and there's a memorial in heaven radiating out over your life. Okay, because of that, we've come to you today in all the Gentile world to hear the gospel because of you. Send for Peter. 
your giving and your prayers, no matter if you see their effects, create something that draws God. Secondly, I want to invite you to live on God's economy. I've been tithing since I was six years old. Really, my dad was cheating me. He gave me a quarter a week. I was basically a chattel servant. Gave me a quarter a week and never raised me till I was 17. And he made me give a nickel of that quarter. I began to realize I was a 20% giver young. Just amazing. He was a generous man. He told my two friends we could go to Disneyland for 15 bucks each. He'd drive us there. He'd buy our tickets if we'd scrape and sand the whole house to be painted. Two years later, we went to Disneyland. It was wonderful. <laughs> but I've never ceased to live on God's economy. God's economy says this. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. You can read 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 11 yourselves. He says this, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous. You say, Pastor Jim, you want to be rich? Oh, yes, I do. Rich enough to give away everything God wants me to give away and accomplish his will fully. I've given when I didn't have more times than I can count. I've never given to get. I've never ceased to get when I've given. You say, are you afraid of the economy? No, I've not lived on the economy for a long while. I live on God's economy. My young stockbroker, one of the best in all of Tennessee, he looks forward every year to our yearly meeting so I can tell him what's going to happen in the economy. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Hmm, what might happen? It's so funny. I believe in God's economy. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. Why not live on God's economy? Why not live? Why does it say this? The Bible says, my God will supply all of your needs out of his riches in glory. Why not live out of God's riches? Paul said, listen, I don't need your gift. You need to give it. It's credited to your heavenly account, and God can draw down. Beloved, sow into this moment. Sow into your city. Sow into evangelism. Do you realize this little plot of land we got is at the very center of transformation in this city? What's going to come around us? What's coming across from us? God is revolutionizing this city. And may I say, it's time to seed the clouds of revival. The Bible says, ask for rain from the Lord in the season of rain. He'll give it. As God's presence comes here, fills here, touches here, seed it in your prayers. Cry out for salvations. Cry out for revival. And may you sow the seeds of the gospel right now because it's never been so easy to see someone come to church. I'm not really good at presenting the gospel. Good, invite them where they can hear it presented. This church is going to grow and grow. I think you're in two services now. I may say enjoy it while there's only two. It's just going to grow. Multiple communities will be transformed because of you. Because of your faith. Lastly, will you serve? 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says, Whatever gift you've received, use it to serve one another. Be a good steward of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one. Speaks as the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. We need your talents, your gifts. 
I've never known a day in my adult life not serving the church. At 18, as a young paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne Division in Fayetteville, in a church of 50 to 100 that became thousands, I taught Sunday school every Sunday morning for 18 months in this church. Why? I served. This is your moment. You were born for this moment. You were born for this exact period of time. You're part of a church who God will use to transform this city and five others. We're at an inflection point in our country. You are, and people like you around the world, you are the only ones with access to real power. You say today, I want to be used of God in this hour. Raise your hand. If your hands are up, stand to your feet right now as Pastor Eugene joins me. You say, I want, to, I want to come in this moment. I don't want to miss it, Pastor. Can Heidi, can you join us up here as well? I'm going to tell you now, you could not have finer pastors. They're two of my favorite people in the whole world, and I've traveled the world. I'm joining hands with them right now, and we're praying. We thank you for our family here. Lord, I call them in that strange verse to the end of the birth canal. You're flooding this city, our homes, and our nation. You've been born in the acceptable day of salvation. You've been born at a time when I'm answering the cries of generations. I will not forget your nation. I will not forget your family. I will not forget this city. I'm coming. Don't miss your moment. You're not flotsam, adrift, helpless. You are the ones with real power. And that power is your unlimited access to me. I'm coming to visit you. Coming to touch you. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of the turbulence. Do not feel, be afraid of the polarization. Is this not the pains of a new birth? Oh, this is not death pangs or the last cry. Oh no, this is the cry of new birth. Not the rattle of death. I see your children. I see your finances. I see your need. Peace. What are you waiting on, you might say, Lord? I'm waiting on you. I've given you the power you need, the access you need. Fear not. This is the hour for which you were born. Come on, let's take a moment. Would you lift your, come on, let's give the Lord all the praise and glory, honor. We receive your word, Jesus. We receive your word today. We receive your word today. I want us to pray together real quick. We're going to, we're going to, we got to get Pastor Jim out really quickly. Many of you know, many of you know Pastor uh, 
Pastor Randy, one of our longtime elders and intercessors, prophetic voice to our congregation, had a, had a, 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 a brain aneurysm. And uh, we need to pray for him. They're gonna get, we're going to get him down so he can get prayed. He's going to go pray for him today. Can we just join our faith? Would you just say, uh, Pastor Randy? Would you say that with me, Pastor Randy? Did you just hear that message that we have access to the most power? Can we just join together right now for the man who's prayed for all of you all these years? He's been an intercessor for our church, praying for all of our campuses. Can we just pray for Pastor Randy right now together? Father, we come together in the name of Jesus. Would you say, for Pastor Randy? And we just lift him up to you right now. And we ask in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name. There's no sickness or disease that has to bow to you. Every sickness and disease bows to your name, the name of Jesus. So we pray for healing touch to come to his body now in the name of the Lord. And even though he can't speak right now, that you're going to raise him up to preach and to prophesy and to pray in your mighty name. So we thank you for the goodness of God and all that you've done and that you're going to reach and provide healing to his body. And we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, let's give God praise for answering that prayer. I'm going to ask that our prayer team would come up front. If you need anything, our prayer team is here. If you need today for prayer, they're going to pray for you. Let me bless you as you go. Don't forget, stop by the Welcome Center for the gifts for the children of our community who need help. And uh, don't forget, Friday, 12 noon, I'll see you in New Orleans. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. And you're going out until you're coming in again. May all that you set your hands to, seeking first the kingdom of God, may he bless it and prosper it. And I bless you in the name of the Father, his Son, Jesus, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. You just say, I receive that. We love you. God bless you. Have a great, great day. Go Tigers!